The Orthodox Journey, brought to you by the Greek Orthodox Christian Society. In this week's podcast, we reflect on the weekly gospel reading and bring you our Saint of the Week. The Holy Gospel. My brothers and sisters, two of the prayers from the canon of preparation for Holy Communion start with words which but for slight differences translate as follows. O Master and Lord, I know that I am not worthy that you should enter under the roof of my soul. These are words of a humble and contrite spirit one that is truly thirsting for the Lord and his righteousness. The prayers are attributed to St. John Chrysostom, but the words we quoted are not original words of this great father of the church. In fact, they are not even the words of someone baptised into the faith. They are the words of a Roman soldier, a centurion no less, spoken to our Lord himself, when the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. We hear these words in this Sunday's Gospel reading for the fourth Sunday of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verses 5 to 13. The Lord was entering Capernaum after delivering the Sermon on the Mount, And as he was doing so, we are told that a centurion approached him, not just approached him, but beseeched him to help. What did he want or need? We hear him say, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed in my home, grievously tormented. Let us stop and think about this scene for a moment, reflecting on who it was that was speaking, what he wanted done, and to whom he was speaking. He is a centurion, a Roman officer who would have had some 80 or so men under his command. In the region of Capernaum, he was probably the chief Roman authority. A man one would expect to be rather rough and tough, able to discipline not only his troops, but also the local people. Yet, there is something different about this man. In the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 7, we are also told about this encounter. We are told that he does not come to the Lord, but rather sends the elders of the Jews to the Lord to beseech him to come and heal his servant. They tell the Lord that this man is worthy 
for this to be done. And they add, for he loves our nation and he has built us a synagogue. Oftentimes, we may be given a task that places us somewhere that we do not want to be. Doing something that we do not want to do and dealing with people we do not want to be with. We may think that this task, this place, these people are below us and that we deserve better. I am sure that many of the Roman soldiers who were assigned to Palestine would have seen it as the ends of the world and in idolatrous eyes, a God-forsaken place and its people as stubborn and unruly. Some, if not many, would have taken out their frustration on the local people, being cruel and unforgiving towards them. We might have done the same in their situation. Yet, here is a leader of soldiers who, being an idolater, comes to this place and is transformed by it and by its people. What is he wanting? What is he asking about? His servant. Again, think about this. The word we hear in St. Luke's version is doulos. This is a word that is often translated as slave. It means something much lower than an employee or hired hand. Yet this man of authority cares about this lowly person as if he sees in him the image of his creator. It reminds us of what St. Paul says in his letter to the Romans. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts either accusing or excusing them. He, the centurion, could easily have replaced the servant and hired someone else if the servant failed to recover. Yet he cares for the person. His servant's pain becomes his pain. And who is he speaking to? We know that it is the Lord. The important thing is that he addresses him as Lord. He would have heard about Jesus. In fact, as Nazareth is part of the region of Galilee, in all likelihood, even if he personally did not know Jesus, he would have known that Jesus was a carpenter, the son of a carpenter. Yet, he does not see in him a lowly foreigner, but rather he recognises in Jesus his own creator. Our Lord, who is able to read the hearts of men, sees into this man and immediately offers to come to his house. The Lord knows the humility and purity of this man's soul and knows his faith. But he says this so as to reveal these things to us. It is then that the centurion responds with, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. The centurion then goes on to reveal his faith. He says that if he, the centurion, commands something, it is carried out without question by people under him 
whether they be soldiers or servants, even when the centurion is far away. How much more so would it be in the case of God? In other words, you, Lord, don't need to come into my home to heal my servant, but even from here, if you so command, it will be done. The Lord then marvels at the faith of the centurion and says, I have not found so great a faith in the whole of Israel. The Lord then proclaims that many of those from east and west will enter the kingdom, will sit with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And many who were born into the faith will be cast out. The reading finishes with the Lord saying to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so may it be done. And the servant was healed at that very moment. My brothers and sisters, this unbeliever was shown to be more faithful than all of the believers. This man of power and authority was shown to be truly humble. This man who was called to a life of violence, hate and indifference was shown to be a man of love and concern for the other. It was these things that made his unworthy house, his heart, worthy to receive the Lord God who came and dwelt within it. Let us learn from him and follow his example, and so have the Lord enter in and live under the roof of our soul. Oh, man, no, I'll be full. And I'll stay.
The Saints of the Week Saint John Maximovich, Bishop of Shanghai and San Francisco, is one of the great 20th century saints. Although he was outwardly frail, inside he was a burning beacon of spiritual power. God filled him with extraordinary gifts and, in turn, he shared those with the thousands whose lives he touched. The saint was born in 1896 in a village in southern Russia. In 1921, he was evacuated to Belgrade as a result of the civil war in Russia. He quickly rose to the ranks of the church, being ordained a reader, a monk, a hierodeacon and a hieromonk in just a few years. It was obvious to everyone, even at this stage, that he was an extraordinary man full of self-sacrifice and care for others. He would sleep for only an hour or two each night. He would fast severely, and he would do whatever he could to help others in need. The bishop of the diocese, the well-known Nicholas Velimirovich, already called him a living saint. In 1934, the church decided to elevate Hieromonk John to the rank of bishop. Like many great saints, he resisted this idea. Hieromonk John was summoned to the main town for his consecration. When he arrived in town, he told a lady he knew that he was there by mistake, having been sent for by accident in place of another Hieromonk John who was actually meant to be made the bishop. When he saw the same lady the next day, he sadly told her the situation was worse than he thought. It was him that they wanted to make bishop. John protested about this decision, but his protests fell on deaf ears. The church inspired by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, knew that John's role as bishop would bring thousands to salvation. Once he was consecrated as bishop, John was assigned to the Diocese of Shanghai in China. He arrived in late November and immediately began working on establishing church unity and strengthening religious education. He was most well known, however, for his protection of the poor and of the needy. John created a home for orphans, and would go personally to gather sick and starving children off the dark alleys of Shanghai slums. He would fiercely protect them, in addition to performing all of his other spiritual duties, which included serving the Divine Liturgy every day, no matter how tired or unwell he was. The orphanage eventually housed 1,500 children. After World War II, the communists in China became an increasing threat. He evacuated the entire orphanage to an island in the Philippines. And although this island was known for regular and destructive typhoons, in the entire 27-month period that John was on the island, no typhoon ever hit it. The local Filipinos would say to the Russians, 
Your holy man blesses your camp from four directions. After John and his orphanage left the Philippines, the island was hit with a terrible typhoon that destroyed the entire camp. From the Philippines, the orphanage was resettled in the United States. This took considerable effort, courage and perseverance on the saint's behalf. He flew to the United States and sat on the steps of Congress praying until he was noticed and the law was changed to allow the orphans to enter. Eventually, he was appointed as Bishop of San Francisco and given the difficult task of uniting the divided peoples there. Like many great saints in the church, he faced vicious attacks and accusations from those jealous of him and from those whose personal agendas he had thwarted. The situation reached a climax in San Francisco when his accusers sued him in the courts. The saint was vindicated and dealt with the entire situation with undisturbed peace. The saint's life was filled with great personal struggle, and in turn, God rewarded him bountifully. Two short stories show this clearly. Once, when he was Bishop of Shanghai, the saint went to provide Holy Communion to a woman who was dying. The woman was infected with rabies. Rabies is a disease that still has no effective treatment and almost always leads to death and it is transmitted through the saliva of infected animals or people. When he gave Holy Communion to the woman, she had a fit and spat out some of the Holy Gifts. St. John immediately picked up the Holy Communion which fell on the ground and consumed it himself. Everyone was shocked. Vladika, they said, what are you doing? They were concerned that he would surely be infected and die. St. John peacefully answered, however, that nothing would happen to him, as these are the holy gifts of God. And that is exactly what happened. Another time, St. John went to visit sick people in hospital, as he would often do. He was with another priest, and their mission was specifically to see a dying man and give him holy communion. When they arrived at the hospital, however, St. John spotted a joyful young man in his early 20s, who was due to be discharged the next morning. John immediately called the man and told him, I want to give you communion right now. John also heard his confession. The other priest was confused. He asked the saint, Why did you spend so long with this young and healthy man, which delayed our mission to visit a man who was dying? John, however, who had been blessed with the gift of foreknowledge, told the priest that the young man would die tonight, whereas the other man would live for many years. This gift of foreknowledge extended to him knowing the day of his death. He prepared himself and died peacefully on 2 July 1966. He was canonized as a saint 28 years later, on 2 July 1994. His canonization service was attended by thousands, and the great saint continues to perform miracles to this day. May Saint John also intercede to God that he have mercy upon us.
Orthodox Spiritual Reflections. Dearly beloved, we are so blessed to have saints that have lived in our times. One such saint is Saint Porfirios, who lived in the centre of Athens. A young man who knew Saint Porfirios very well related the following miracle. Once an elderly priest was travelling to a monastery to celebrate Vespers. Three young men accompanied the saintly old man on the long road towards the monastery. They stopped briefly so that he could rest. While resting, they noticed a taxi in the distance. Elder Porfirios told them not to signal, saying that the taxi driver would stop for them of his own accord. He also told his surprised young companions to remain silent while inside the taxi. The taxi pulled up just as he said it would. They got in and the elder gave the driver the destination. Immediately, the taxi driver began a relentless rant against the clergy. He accused them of a multitude of evils. At the end of his many accusations, he turned to the young men who were not priests and asked if they agreed with him. But the young men kept silent out of obedience to their elder. The driver finally turned to the elderly priest and asked, Am I not right, father? What have you got to say? The priest responded, My child, let me tell you a story. There once lived a man in a certain village who had an elderly neighbour. This man desired the property of his neighbour. So one night, he killed him and buried the body. He then forged papers and acquired the property that he wanted. And do you know what he did with the money he obtained from selling this property? He bought a taxi. The driver was so shaken by what he heard that he stopped the taxi and began to shout, Father, stop! Don't say any more! Only you and I know the truth of what you are saying. The priest then said, God also knows. It is he who told me so that I may tell you. See to it that from this point onwards you change your life. We should be very grateful to God for the saints that live during our times. They are our inspiration, our example and provide the guidance we need. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of The Orthodox Journey. To keep up to date with our podcast series, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For more Orthodox talks, sermons and podcasts, be sure to visit orthodoxjourney.com.